Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Today, we have the host of the New Nine podcast and founder of the aforementioned New Nine brand, Mr. Brandon Cubitt. We chat about the inception of the brand and how his past experience in radio led Brandon down the path of audio and video creation. Great chat with a content creation king out of Calgary. So let's get into it, with Brandon Cubitt. Welcome to the Four Jack Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the 4Jack podcast brought to you by Jackson Labs, the brand consultants that we trust to get our brand going in the right direction. Brand consultants, you should use to do the same. So go check them out at jacksonlabs.com. We're in here today with a a guest that, well, I mean, it's very common to us, uh, someone that is involved in the golf content creator space that's just, just a fan of the game, just someone that enjoys the game as much as we are that is crazy enough to sit down and talk about it at times. Um, we can get to our guests in a sec. Let's just say hello to the fellas. Parks, hello. I just got a hot take from our man, Danny Saul. He says, after next week's win, let's have Corey on the show. So you heard it here first, folks. Whoa, a hot take with uh, with our boy today. Yeah, Corey Connors Caddy figures that the Wells Fargo is a, a, a shoe in for, for a W. So anyway, I just flipped that open. Yeah, excited to be here. We have another fellow uh, podcaster, content creator, golf space guy, a little bit of a golf nerd. It's going to be exciting to get into uh, the other side of the Rockies and see how they do it over there. It's going to be a fun one. Mm-hmm. Tombo, how are you, sir? Good, brother. I'm just sitting here thinking about how I can make some sort of joke about quantum computing based on our guest last name. But uh, to be honest, what really comes to mind is bringing someone in from Calgary, right? Like we've, there's always been that rivalry, Edmonton, Calgary, across many different sports and industries. But I think we're breaking down all the barriers and walls. We're building the relationship with the good folks of this brand. I'm going to let you introduce them, but let's do it, bud. Absolutely. And our guest today is a podcaster, content creator, bit of a Jordan aficionado, and the founder of New Nine Golf, Mr. Brandon Cubitt. How are you, sir? Hey boys, thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be on the the other side of the microphone, I guess, in the, the podcast space. So thanks for having me on. God, how nice is that, hey, to be on Hot the other seat. side? I'm excited it's to get weird. on the other side it's when you're on yours. You know, normally I'm I'm prepared with questions and some stuff to talk about, and now to kind of be a little bit more, uh, you know, let the guard down, and and uh, it's different for sure. So uh, looking forward to to chatting with you boys. Come on in, boys. Let the buttons down even, right? I mean, we're just, we're relaxed over here. It's no pressure. We're going to have fun tonight. Um, Well, Brandon, why don't we (laughs) dive into this first? I mean, we've kind of came in, we kind of got a hold of New Nine through, actually through codes, uh, through GoTrack. You know, he was always kind of like, hey, you should really check out these New Nine boys. These guys seem to be doing a cool thing. Like, if you know anything about Jordans, which we will be getting into soon because I need a plug. Um, But... Talk to us a little bit about New Nine. Like, where did this get started? And I mean, this is probably the same kind of question that we're gonna get thrown at our our way when we come onto your pod. But like, you know, we're always kind of interested in where Western Canadian boys come up with these ideas and how it all starts. Totally. So I'm I'm obsessed with golf for as long as I can remember. I've just been sucked into the game. When I was uh, like 13, 14, I got a job at a Nevada Bob's. 
I don't even know if Nevada nice. Bob still exists, but that was the uh, Western Canadian golf retailer kind of before golf town. So I was like the youngest guy working in the shop surrounded by a bunch of guys that just loved golf. And I was hooked like to just hit clubs all day, every day and play around with the coolest, latest new equipment. Like I've just been obsessed with it. Um, I grew up kind of as a, an athlete. I played a lot of high level hockey, like a ton of uh, Canadians do. And then in the summertime was golf season. So kind of always back and back and forth between the hockey rink and then uh, the golf season. But uh, new nine kind of just came about my love for golf that I was, you know, working a nine to five job. And I'm just like, okay, it does this make me happy? You know, not really. I look forward to just getting on the internet and chatting with other golfers or networking with other golfers. And that's where kind of new nine was born. Um, I have a I bit of a media. Can I just, before we go way beyond it, I got to get into your, your start at Nevada Bob's. How much money did you actually make working there? Because I know when I worked at golf town, every paycheck went to new equipment. I'm like, okay, yeah. Driver in the back that like employees get a good deal on just going to, going to take this one home with me today, folks. Pretty much every dollar I made went back into some type <laughs> of golf clubs, equipment, clothing, you know, it was the sweetest job. Like if, if it was still around, I would still work there. Uh, one of the best things about working in the golf retail industry, I'm sure you guys know, it's probably changed a little bit, but you'd get better deals from reps. So I think at the time it was like cost plus 10. So that was decent on some stuff, but like other reps like TaylorMade, for example, I've heard you guys talk about TaylorMade. They'd give us like cost minus 40. So to yeah. get a whole new bag with driver putter, bag the works for like 600 bucks like to answer your question all my money went right back to the store that uh, was signing my checks like those places are the gateway drugs for like just full-on golf addictions right just yeah amazing well you know what it's funny because i was i, I kind of became like a golf dealer like there you know you go to high school with drug dealers and i was the golf dealer and uh you know my teachers in high school would come to that golf store to buy equipment so I would be sitting in like grade 10 math class and the teacher would get a phone call, say, you know, Brandon, you got to go to the office. And everyone goes like, Ooh, Brandon to the office. Like, what'd you do? I go in there. The principal kicks his feet up. He goes, so you work at a golf store, don't you? No <laughs> so he'd want me to hook him up and just get him deals on, on golf stuff. And I, uh, you know, passed high school flying colors. Thanks to giving uh, my principal's deals on golf stuff. How am I getting a discount yeah. on that? R seven super quad black edition. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that was the one, like that was the time, the super quad, the G10 Callaway had just come out with, they were like the first company to do the uh, shaft and the head separately. I think it was like the FTI and the FT5. Dude, I love like, that the was FT5. My, that was my bread and butter. The Nike Sumos, you know, yeah. the, the worst sounding driver of all time. Like that was, that was my Tom bought that thing. I, did. I had Nike square for a while and I just <laughs> loved it. I actually gave it to a friend and he just got, I think it was one of the Callaway drivers. And he's like, dude, I'm not hitting this very far. I think I need to go back to that Nike square right now. Like crazy. Still someone in this world is using that driver. This is, this is a funny take on this. And like Park's going to test this. Growing up and like being in the golf business, it was funny always seeing the golf town guys and Nevada Bob guys. Cause that was like, that was your way to get in and get those deals. And like we used golf town for like a different kind of use. Cause we knew we could take stuff in and just like, trade it in for balls or whatever and it was or like take balls and trade it in for whatever else we needed but it was like yeah we know we're getting free clubs so like don't worry about that but there's a couple little things that we need here and there that we don't carry in the shop and we could probably finagle here and there and it was a, such a funny uh, i don't even know how to describe it just like this intermingling between the clubs and the shops when they first started becoming really big like 
can always find a way to like get into someone's face and like even buddy george at golf town south that guy was fucking legend you get anything off george georgie i think i (laughs) oh man i can just remember him out outside smoking with his white belt on eh? he was orange pants how old was he he must have been he was in his 60s for sure like leather tan always ricky fowler outfit going on like he's ready to go to the nightclub in the 70s or something like that hitting on all the moms oh exactly yeah 100 why would you not i remember and maybe brandon you can maybe touch on this but I remember we always made sure we took care of those guys at the golf courses to make sure that if we ever needed that leverage, it was always there. We always had a sweet spot for the golf town guys. So did you kind of get the same response working at Nevada Bob's? Absolutely. Like even to this day, I I treat guys that work in golf retail with the utmost respect and just hope that it'll come full circle that, you know, if, if I need a putter regripped, then I'll kind of bypass the line kind of thing. Right. But yeah, it's, it's amazing. The network of, of people that would come through the door, like being in the Northwest Calgary, all, a lot of the Calgary flames guys would come in. So it'd be like, you know, Alex Tangay and Camilleri are playing around on the putting green. And it's just like surreal, the amount of people that, that like this game. So yeah, to answer your question, yeah, if you can keep a, keep a good relationship with the guys in the, golf retail industry it's better than uh, pissing them off that's for sure there you go there's the tip of the day make sure you sweeten those guys up you need sugar on those guys just in case i've got one little story and then i'd like to get back to your new nine golf inception but i remember i went to jim mccauley's house and there was a ping pong tournament and one of the gms of golf town south and i got into a little bit of a ping pong battle right and i just I forget his name. Damn, this is so bad. But like, I just kept beating him and he kept going double or nothing, double or nothing. And like, eventually I had like $400 off him. And he's just like, come to Golf Town and I'll give it to you in store credit. Uh, We won't mention any names. I know who it is, but I'm not going to throw his name out there just in case Golf Town's listening. But yes, he ended up going out to, uh, yeah. Let's move away from that. Let's (laughs) get back to Nine, take us in the inception and where you're at, what you're doing. And yeah. So when I wanted to get into the golf space of somehow, you know, being in golf retail before I'm like, okay, well, I don't have any club building experience. I'm not like a sewer. I'm like, just trying to think I'm a sales guy. Like since I've been in golf town or golf, Nevada, Bob sales, like I've continued into a professional sales business. So I can always sell stuff. It's just putting the pieces together. So I thought, okay, I said, you know what happened? I, I was in the pro shop and I saw a Travis Matthews hat. And it was a trucker hat with a patch on it. I'm like, I could do that. I could, I could find a blank hat, make a patch, slap it together and, and call it a brand. So the idea first was to build a golf clothing brand that having no experience in the golf clothing manufacturing, just being very naive. I'm like, I could make some stuff and try to sell it. Well, that's when I tried to, or I, you know, I kind of learned along the way that clothing manufacturing isn't as easy as you may think it is. Right. Especially with no connections that you're having to network kind of all over. What I found um, in in New Nine specifically is that there was no brand attached to the clothing brand, that if you didn't think it was a cool hat, there's nothing really behind it. So then I kind of switched my focus to try to build a golf culture. I figure if I could try to get some like-minded people around the same idea of enjoying golf, that I could sell a hat better trying to build a culture. So New Nine comes from shooting a 55 on the front and a 36 on the back that I've done it a hundred times that I've had, you know, so many doubles or a quad or lose two, three balls. And after the front nine, I would just motivate myself and say, okay, new nine. We'll forget about what happened. We'll go to the back nine and just try to go lights out. 
And the more I said that, the more I thought about it, it, it relates to life a lot, that we've all had good experiences and bad experiences. And chances are you've probably had more bad than you've had good. That if you've had a failed relationship, a failed job, you know, you've been kicked in the knees and beaten down, there's, there's, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So new nine wasn't just a reflection on golf, but more life itself. So that's kind of where the new nine name and the brand uh, comes from. Well, I think we can also, I mean, that is brilliant actually, because I, f- I feel even the way you described that there, you probably had more bad than good. Well, you most certainly have had more bad than good because that bad nine mm, tends to be a little bit more than the good nine. So yeah, we'll take the bad experiences, but I think your experience working for Nevada, Nevada Bob's kind of lends its way into what you've been doing with new nine, especially on like the YouTube side and more the reviews. I mean, yeah. So t- that's yeah, if you want to get into YouTube, yeah. Go ahead. I, I mean, uh, out of high school, so out of the, Nevada Bob's closed. That's kind of what happened is Nevada Bob's closed the small individual shop and they went into sport checks. Uh, they got bought up by the Frizzani group at the time. Now I think it's Canadian Tire. Mm-hmm. And to go from like a small mom and pop golf shop where it's just fun nonstop now to go work for big box retail, it was like the worst. It was a complete 180. So I'm finishing school and I was never a huge academic guy, you know, big into sports. Sports and music were kind of like my two things that I, I was decent at. And uh, I thought, okay, if I can't play professional sports, I think it'd be cool to talk about them. So I love like TSN, Sportsnet. I love like Jay and Dan, Cabby, those guys. I'm like, that would be a cool job. So I went to SAIT and took broadcast news. It was a two-year diploma to learn video production and editing and being in front of a camera and doing that type of stuff. So this is going back 2010. So 11 years ago is when I went to broadcasting school. And uh, kind of a quick cool story about broadcasting school is that at the end of your schooling, you got to go on a practicum. You got to go out into the real world, try to work for a radio station or television station to try to land a job. What I found out about the broadcasting industry is that there's not a ton of money in it. And I've always tried to think I was money motivated, right? Mm -hmm. So people on practicum would go to small town, Alberta. They go to Red Deer, Lethbridge, Medicine Hat, somewhere with a realistic chance of getting a job. And for me, that was never in my big picture that I just wasn't willing to go to small markets to pay my dues to maybe land in Calgary to make X number of dollars a year. So for my practicum, I shot like some crazy shots in the dark. Like I started emailing the Howard Stern show, um, (laughs) the American top 40 with Ryan Seacrest, these big uh, radio stations that were nationally syndicated. And I actually heard back from one of them. So, um, yeah. So, uh, you guys are familiar with the band Motley Crue. Mm -hmm. Yep. So Nikki six, the bass player had his own radio show in Los Angeles and it it was nationally syndicated. It was probably on the bear in Edmonton and it was on CG 92 in Calgary. So I heard, I listened to it religiously and I basically heard back. So how it happened is I I wrote to the American top 40 at Ryan Seacrest. I heard back in like two days, this guy's like, Oh, you know, thanks for writing to us. We don't need any um, intern students, but this other show, the sixth sense with Nikki six does. So they invited me to come out and I went out there for like a six month term. It was only supposed to be a month because there's six months. They were kind of paying me under the table, but that was my first kind of crack at like some real world media uh, experience. I, that's really funny. Like, sorry to cut you off there. Cause so that was what I really wanted to do when I was a kid. I was obsessed with TSN and Sportsnet. Like that was my goal. And then one of my brother's best friends, Sean McCormick, worked for Sportsnet and all these other uh, sports channels across the country. But he spent like years in Regina and like Estevan and all these shitty small towns in like the bottom of Saskatchewan, like just morning radio shows. And I was like, my brother's like, this is what you're going to have to do if you want to do this. I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know if that's the road for me to live in like a farmer town. Yeah. 
Well, Brandon, give, us, give us a little bit of insight into like the experience going through that. I mean, coming out of small town world into Nikki Six's round, that's got to be craziness. It was nuts. And I'm a huge music fan. Like I play music as in a band. I play drums. I play guitar. Like it's always been like a fun passion of mine. And being a huge Motley Crue fan, it was surreal. Like I was shaking. I was like vibrating, telling people that I was going to go work for Nikki Six. So I went down there and I, yeah, I basically packed up a suitcase and I, I rented someone's uh, pool house. Yeah. So I was right on the corner. Yeah. yeah, I was right on the corner of like Ventura Boulevard and Sepulveda Drive, which are two like huge major streets in Los yep. Angeles. Yeah. So the operation was actually fairly small. So Nikki Six would come in like three or four days a week. So it was him, Carrie Kasem, who's the daughter of Casey Kasem, another broadcasting legend. So it was the two of them, um, a producer, a writer, and uh, an audio guy. And that was it. So it was in like a room that would be no bigger than like a kitchen in your house kind of thing. And what I was doing there was doing all their video work. So Nikki six would have guests that would come in that would do um, like acoustic sets and interviews and they needed someone to videotape and cut and edit to put something up on their website. So I was kind of just thrown into the pit. I watched them go for one day and they basically gave me a camera, gave me a computer and said, film this stuff. It's <laughs> so magic, baby. It was nuts. And it was so surreal having idolized this guy, Nikki Six. I read his books. I've seen, you know, the concerts that he does, that it was, you know, I, I had made it. Like I'm, you know, I'm 20 years old in Los Angeles. I'm like, holy, does like life doesn't get any better. It was, it was awesome. So after, after the internship, what happened? No, I'm no Can sign on. No, you know uh, what? I'm Canadian. That's, that's the answer why I kind of got, I got screwed is that USC's right down the street. They have a lot of American interns coming through that even though it was a small show, I worked really good relationships and they said, yeah, we'll try to get you on. We'll sign you on, but they weren't willing to commit to a visa. So being the low man on the totem pole, they couldn't offer me a visa. They basically said you neither eat to either need to marry an American yeah. or give up your Canadian Canadian citizenship, which neither of those were an option at, at 20. So I came back, I came back home and I was, I was thinking that I would get into the radio business without on my resume in seconds and I didn't get more than a phone interview for the next six months. So it was kind of a kick in the nuts to go from like the top of my game to have this on my resume with a, you know, a multi-platinum recording artist to now not even getting in-person interviews to work at the bear. Like I had a phone interview at the bear and they kind of said, thanks, but no thanks. So that was a, it was eye opening and it was, it was detrimental at the time having just gotten my diploma that I'm like, well, I'm not going to go from Los Angeles down now, now go work at Lethbridge and talk about the <laughs> junior B hockey team. Like that, yeah. that just wasn't an option. So I, you know, I had that as some media experience and now it's come full circle to the stuff we're doing on YouTube. So that's how we kind of got into this is that that's what got my feet wet in doing video production and that type of stuff. And then, I mean, we, we've seen these review programs all over YouTube and how much they've blown up. Like unboxing is just like the greatest thing ever. And then you do these different kinds of reviews. I mean, it's funny because you meet anybody you meet that worked at Golf Town and Vada Bob's, they're all gearheads. They're all golf junkies in the sense that they love to test every single freaking club that's out there. And it just seems like that fell right in line with you with regards to doing that. But then you're also obsessed with Jordans. And it's like, dude, yeah. get me your plug. Come on. The boys need some boots <laughs> up here. Take it into your mind on yeah. Jordan. Yeah, let's talk some Jordan. So uh, a little bit backstory, sorry, into the unboxing stuff. There's a really big, probably the biggest unboxing channel on YouTube called Unbox Therapy. Yeah. 
Um, so he does like tech stuff, like iPhones and speakers and all that stuff. He's got like, I don't know, 20 million subscribers. Uh, a personal friend of mine works is his cousin and works for him doing his sales. So I'm kind of working my nine to five job. And I see this guy who left this company that I was working at to go just sell ads for his cousin. Who's making like $6 million every, you know, six weeks. Like it's stupid how much money this guy makes. So that's when the light went off. Um, so he, he talked me into doing some unboxing stuff cause I'm not a pro. So like, I don't have my pro card. I'm a, I'm a scratcher plus golfer, but I, I don't think I'm qualified to teach. So that's how I kind of bring some, some pros in to do videos with me where I'll be the student, but to talk about Jordan. So I've, I've always liked stuff that not everyone has, you know, like anywhere from golf clubs to wedges. Like I've, I've never been like a, I am kind of a name brand whore, but at the time when I got into Jordans, they were like, no one had them. Like you couldn't get them at golf town or Nevada Bob's or online. Like it was, you just couldn't get them. A couple years ago, I discovered um, a Facebook marketplace. Now, all those Facebook marketplaces have blown up. So it's called Golf Club Traders. I'm sure you guys are probably on there. And when I found out you could probably buy Golf Jordans, I just searched those for like six months. Golf Jordans, Golf Jordans, Golf Jordans, Golf Jordans. Um, at the time, I was really big into Scotty Cameron collecting. So there's, I'm sure you guys know, there's a huge market for secondary Scotty Cameron head covers and putters and all that type of stuff, right? So this is another big side story. Um, but kind of the Coles Nose version is I, I was holding on to like 350 crazy exclusive head covers and I was using them as currency. So because let's say I have a head cover, it's worth a hundred bucks. You have a hundred dollar golf club. I'll trade you this hundred dollar head cover and you give me your hundred dollar golf club. So I was doing that with everything. So, so I found my first pair of Jordans on this golf club traders Facebook page that I traded some guy two head covers for my first pair of Jordans. So that's how I, that's how the, uh, the itch, the itch started. <laughs> that's so funny. It's funny because today was such a weird day because I saw, um, one of our previous guests did like a tour through Harold Varner's like Jordan room. And I was like, God, I bet you like this dude, like I bet you Brandon has like a quarter of this would like to just like to fill <laughs> this one wall. And it's like, if he had this room, if we, any of us had this room, it'd be a dream. But I mean, it's, it's, that is so crazy when you talk about that, because yeah, it was, you couldn't find Jordans. You could not find the only people wearing Jordans were like J Jordan, Keegan Bradley, Fuck, maybe one other person on tour that you'd see no one you couldn't Harold, find yeah. them you guys, you guys are massively dropping the ball here does anybody know ryan yip brandon, know you know brandon yip no i i know yeah brandon yip but i don't know ryan yip ryan yip played out at duke he's from calgary played Cantor the last few years he's now teaching i think at uh, kent state but this guy was like the official original jordan guy he would yeah. literally resole his jordans with spikes on the soles no like way this guy's been doing it for, I don't know, like Ryan has to have been doing this for like five, six years at least. So wow. anyway, shout out to Ryan. Yep. Friend of the wow. show. Get on, check his Instagram page out. That's there's some pretty interesting shit on there. Well, that's a bold play. That is yeah. completely like resold. Wow. Completely resoling Jordans. And I was like, what is he doing? But yeah, just absolutely love golf kicks and Jordans. So. Boom. I think I think Brandon's gonna start resoling some Jordans. I saw the gears turning in his head. Oh, totally. <laughs> do, do, well, do. I, I do want to say one thing right now because we've been talking on some other pods about the new PGA Tour Player Impact Program, and I think the culprit of who to blame for this is actually Michael Jordan and Sonny Vaccaro because that deal that they made back when Jordan 
was just coming into the league and he's like, how much does Nike have as advertising budget? $2 million. Let's give it all to Jordan. Yeah. And that changed the game. There you go. It's crazy. And he's a golf nut, you know, and it, I kind of went the reverse route. Like normally you'd be a sneakerhead first and then you find Jordan shoes. I always had a couple pairs of Jordans or Nike shoes, but I had the wide variety of shoes and I got into Jordan golf shoes first. And now all I buy is Jordans. Mm -hmm. So I kind of went to reverse there, but yeah, the, the, the sneaker game has blown up. Uh, I think in the last couple of years with, you know, COVID and everything, everyone's been at home and they're like, well, I got a little bit extra cash, you know, maybe I'm not going out. What's something I can kind of find and buy. And the sneaker world is just nuts. There is an interesting story that happened recently in the sneaker world. One of the Nike execs, one of the top, top Nike execs, son had some kind of online shoe game business and she had to retire because he was buying on uh, the Nike corporate card ahead of the game where, you know, obviously he's getting, you know, limited drops and stuff like that. So true. That culture is crazy town. I remember the first time I got Jordans, I think it was in grade three and they were, (laughs) like a size and a half too small for me, but I tried to, I tried so hard to make them work, but my like toes started bleeding and I had to take them back and I was just heartbroken. <laughs> I would have got the amputation, man. Screw yeah. it. Cut the big toes off. I don't just cut them. And then the stump just keeps growing. Just anyway. call me stubby. Call me stubby. <laughs> <And> just, <laughs> Brandon, let's get in, let's get into your golf game a little bit. Talk to us about how often you play and maybe your introduction to golf. Maybe take us all the way back and, Give us a little backstory on that. Sure. Yeah. My parents, my parents, I got great parents. They never, they never grew up playing organized sports, but they worked very hard to try to allow me and my brother to play organized sports. So my parents started golfing maybe like in their early to mid thirties, that it was something that they started to enjoy with their friends. So they take my brother and I out to like the local par three, McCall Lake, shout out McCall. That's I think where everyone learns how to golf in Calgary. Had the classic, you know, like the split sets was, like a pitching wedge a seven iron a five iron and a driver and that was it like we played there for a handful of years and um playing hockey there was uh, a guy on my team that was just obsessed with golf so he had an older brother that golfed and they both played on a sponsored junior membership so i used to just play kind of some dog tracks around town and then i heard about the sponsored junior membership he's like look it's like 600 bucks and it's all the golf you can play all year it was at lynx ridge a semi-private call uh, course in town and so I went through the application process and applied to be a sponsored junior. I ended up working there. So I was a sponsored junior and I was working at the course. And that's how I just started talking with golfers. And I think it kind of turned me into a, a man really quick as you're like a 10, 11, 12, 13 year old kid talking to adults and affluent adults. So I think I just gained a better respect for the game and I was able to hold myself a little bit better because I was conversing with adults. Um, Love the game, never really had a lesson. Like I was a hockey player, so I had good hand-eye coordination. I could hit it a mile, but the dispersion was kind of all over the place, but I could hit it far enough that I could almost scramble and you know try to get to 80 or break 80. That was a big accomplishment. And then uh, switched over from there. My parents bought a membership at Country Hills in town. And that was kind of like the dream that it was like, this was the private course in the heart of the city I've been obsessed with forever. And uh, yeah, my, my dad bought in. I was able to play under him. I started meeting some guys at the course there and they saw that I could hit the ball decent. And they're like, wow, like if you had a lesson, like if you were taught just some better fundamentals, you could probably be a decent golfer. So I went on the, uh, the golf tech route is that I was introduced to golf tech. Some guys that I played with were really good and they swore by golf tech. So I went and got signed up for golf tech. And at the time it was like a big investment. Like I didn't have a ton of cash kicking around, but just spend whatever it was like 1500 bucks for a, a good chunk of lessons and practice time. That was like a huge investment, but I wanted to get better at golf. 
I think in the back of my mind, I was always upset that I didn't try to play professional sports that I played, you know, high enough hockey and had buddies that went to go play NCAA or div one type stuff or in the WHL. But I'm like, I think I could do something. So I think in the back of my mind is there's like this tiny, small hope pipe dream. If I just worked as hard as I could, I could be a pro golfer. And then I played a golf tournament and saw how good like these 14 year olds were. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's sure. never going to happen. Tell me who your guy at golf tech was. Was it Jamie Kerlick by any chance? It was Mr. 25, Mr. Oh 25, Jamie Kerlick. <laughs> yes. Hilarious. So backstory on Jamie, Jamie it. holds, uh, I think it might be like a PGA record of the lowest nine hole score ever. He shot a 29. I think it was at the Alberta open. Yeah. It was, and, no, 20, uh, it was the 25. 25, sorry, not 29. Yeah. Uh, Cause I remember being in the shop the day, like I remember checking the scores and be like, wait, I, th- I think they made a mistake. You played with him? No, I didn't play with him. I oh. played behind him. Because I remember seeing the scores and be like, oh, man, they made a mistake on this. Yeah, we're and one group like, back from no, him. No, 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 no. Like, you're looking at Twitter, and I'm like, the guy shot fucking 25? I'm like, what? Like, yeah. it was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. But like, he's a pizza player all day, Eagles? anyway. Yeah, he jugged twice, and what did he have in, the, what did he have in that nine? I don't he might he any didn't even had a par. He might have had a par on yeah, the front too. I think he too. did. I think he jugged twice on two yeah. on a par five and a par four. Par four. I can't. So, I can't remember what it was, but I remember. I remember him hitting the green on a par four. I just remember that shot, and that's you it. You know what he finished? But he's a he's a real good player. Sixty one or sixty two. Wow. Yeah, that's it was it was low sixties for sure, but I think I'm sure he blacked out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I started my golf tech journey with. That's yeah, that's pretty he, cool. Are you still in that uh, in that side of the world for a little touch up and a rust free once in a while? A little bit, yeah. So there's two golf tech locations in Calgary. <clears throat> Jamie's at the Midapore one, and I'm in Airdrie, so it's such a far drive for me. So I I've got a relationship now with the guys at the North uh, Beacon golf tech and they help me do yeah. some reviews and stuff and we've done some kind of corporate stuff with golf tech now but yeah like so i when i probably went i started as like uh probably like a 11 cap and then jamie got me down to like a five and then i just played a ton so the last six years i've had like a professional sales gig where i'm in like outside corporate sales and it gives me a lot of free time near the end of the day that i can kind of hop to the golf course so when i had this or i have this membership at country hills i was playing like 110 rounds a year like i <laughs> play a, a ton you're an absolute pig mm-hmm. yeah well my my wife golfs so i, I joke oh, around nice. that that's that's the only reason i married her but it's not at all but jess is awesome and it, it's something that she enjoys and we enjoy together so if it wasn't something that we both enjoyed you know i'd be sneaking out like uh, half the golfers out there but it's uh, i'm fortunate that we're able to to play together that's how we get out so much yeah no kidding there's too many of those memes out there right now that where it's like, here's John, he's going to play golf, says it's going to be about four and a half hours, and, like, <laughs> and it's like he did not return in about four and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah. He had eight Coors Lights and blacked out by the ninth hole. <laughs> that's nice you at least can do that with your wife, right? Like that's Totally. But sorry, Chris, to come full circle and, and to kind of answer your question, that golf tech took me to that next level. Then I got down to scratch and I've been as low as like a plus two, plus two and a half. So I had a couple career rounds the last two years. I had a 65 and a 63. The 63 was in a tournament. So that was like the one time that felt like a Tiger Woods round. Everything else is like, um, I'm kind of a, a round par, par golfer in, in mid-season form. There you go. I love it. That's great. So why don't we get into some of these reviews they've been doing this year on on the equipment? I mean, we've spoken to a couple guys that, more specifically, most specifically Johnny Wonder, who's like a 
a guy you must know from Golf WRX, like an absolute fucking nerd when it comes to like an absolute gearhead position. What is something this year that like kind of stood out and something that you were even impressed with? I'm a guy like, you know, you have enough skill to be, to really give your opinion on this. What What is something that you were impressed with? Oh, it's interesting. You know, so there's in new nine, there's actually a, a two of us. So I work with another producer, Felix. He couldn't be here tonight, but he's a way bigger gearhead than I am. Like he's so analytical. I'm, I'm kind of like put something in my hands and I'll swing and I'll tell you if it's good or not, but he knows the backstory behind everything. He knows what the tip is and what the flex is and who makes this and what he knows a lot more than I do. So he puts a lot of stuff in my hands. I would say the biggest surprise this year was hitting the Titleist lineup. I'm a huge, like I've always liked Titleist stuff, uh, but more specifically their driver this year, like the TSI three, I did a driver review and I didn't think it would crack the top three. Uh, Titleist just hasn't always been known. They've always known for good, like wedges, putters and irons, but they've never really been known for their driver. So I was hitting the TSI three and I had the best ball speed. and I had the furthest carry with the TSI three. So that surprised me by a mile. Um, TaylorMade was right there. The TaylorMade Sim two was hot as hot gets like those two were like really close in the running but i assume taylor made would be up there right they're they're very wood focused um, but i would say the biggest surprise was them and then for shafts um the company la golf shafts they were formerly matrix uh, i believe i think they're matrix i don't yeah. know if you guys can confirm yeah yeah but uh yeah sure. kind of a yeah, so they're yeah the matrix ozic was like the shaft that they were known the forever for yeah, right so they've kind of I love it. It's in my title list right now that I have in Arizona. And thanks, Daniel Philpot slash I think Boyd even like that thing's touched a lot of hands. I gotta I gotta jump in here and say something real quick because we went and did the TaylorMade fitting. Shout out to TaylorMade Canada where we have a nice little partnership with them this year. And I was talking about that shaft on the range to the fitter, and they were laughing at me. Like, really? dude, that's the oldest shaft ever. Like, you should probably put some line on it and try and catch a trout. And I was like, what are you – what are you talking about? <laughs> How I'm dare you say such horrible things about yeah. such a great product? And then, Although I will say more excited about that tour design shaft that I got in the sim too. Well, anyway, and then they put these new shafts in my hands, and I was like, whoa, okay, maybe you got something here. Maybe you're right. I'll trust the fitter. All good. Carry on, Brandon. It was so worth, you know, you mentioned seeing a fitter. Like I think done are the days or done should be the days of walking into a big box retailer store, picking up the stiff shaft off the rack and leaving with it. Cause you've got a different swings, a hundred other guys. And nowadays they include a lot of different shaft options or upgrades might be fairly inexpensive that I think getting professionally fit is just so important. And you might think, you know, something, but uh, to see a pro it's, it's worth it. See the numbers. Yeah, it- yeah, the numbers are huge. Having that technology there is a big factor. But I think this is why all of these like startup club manufacturers are definitely having a, such an impact in the market is because they've taken away that discomfort of going into the store, making yourself feel inadequate, talking to somebody like one of us that's a golf junkie that works in the store just to work there. And they've removed that sort of barrier to entry. And now all these off the rack potential sales are just happening from home. So they've just like totally captured that market, which is crazy. Like you said, yeah, a hundred percent. I've gone through the fitting process, multiple club manufacturers and fit lots of people in my lifetime. But having that experience with TaylorMade was just like light years beyond what I ever expected. And, and to really see the value in that from that experience was amazing. Yeah. I don't, I don't see the point in like, you're kind of saying the brand, there's no point in never just grabbing something off the rack. Like, Definitely not going to throw myself out there and say that I'm an amazing player, but I definitely know what I like to feel. And 
it was again go back to the numbers when you're on that track man nowadays like i hit a couple shafts i'm like it just feels like there's a bit of a whip at the bottom there and he's like i know exactly what you mean try this boom there's your numbers you want there's the dispersion oh thanks man yeah you knew exactly what i wanted like i wouldn't have you don't want to get that if you're like hey man i need that stiff that makes it go high Sure, man. Yeah, I'll find you something. <laughs> unless it's unless it's Georgie, then he knows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pill that he gives you. Yeah. It gets <laughs> into maybe your relationship with Felix and how you guys came together in this. Yeah, so it's uh, a long road for Felix and I. So Felix is someone that I met through uh, at the time, kind of in between a bunch of different jobs. I was working at a Honda dealer, and just like doing that whole life figuring out thing. Like, well, I've always sold stuff. And I, I landed a job working at Honda. Felix was a rep. So he would like sell the dealership stuff. So he was always coming in and he, his sister was dating my boss. So my boss is talking to me. He knows I like golf. He knows Felix likes golf. I don't know if you can kind of do that whole triangle. So anyway, I met him yeah. through this dealership and we ended up both being members at country Hills. He's like, well, where do you golf? I'm like, country Hills. He's like, I golf at country Hills. So we never crossed paths at the golf course. And he's like an older brother to me. So he's uh, probably 10, 15 years older than I am. And he kind of took me under, took me under his wing and he pulled me out of the car dealership and brought me to work for his company. And I've been there uh, for the last seven years and really helped me get to that next level, next step in life. And we've kind of been like uh, a partner ownership uh, ever since then in, in both uh, personal relationship like we're best buddies and then with business too that we we both have a good amount of hunger and drive and he he's down to help do a bunch of stuff so prior to new nine golf he had no experience in any type of video production video editing audio nothing and now he does like all of it like he has far surpassed me and i have a diploma in this stuff so so felix is is the majority of why new nines uh, youtube has grown and and is continuing to grow is just he's always upping his game that if you see our first couple videos to the to our latest or the one that we're about to release um it's the one that we released today, I shot and just handheld to try out some vlog stuff, but we're working on a couple of reviews right now that it's like, it's amazing. So the, the relationship is, is a partnership, a business partnership, and we both got uh, big, big, big goals for sure. Love it. That's fantastic. Yeah. I think that, uh, when the, when the student becomes the teacher, that's when, you know, you got to personally up your game, but it's good to see somebody take, take that on and, you know, find that passion and kind of, take over the ecosystem and maybe it helps, you know, alleviate you for, you know, ex exploration of some new opportunities or maybe deep dive on some different gear. So uh, that's a great pa partnership you guys have. It takes a lot of weight off my shoulder. So I, I focus primarily on like a lot of the relationship stuff and trying to get products to review and try to further build the brand. And he does a lot of the backend stuff and he's not looking for the facial recognition. You know, I've kind of become the face of this brand and I'm good doing the camera stuff and he's good being behind it. And he's not looking for a tag on every post or something like like that so it's it's a cool relationship similar to like you guys have you know you guys are, are good friends and you got a common goal so it's always nice to have someone to to pick you up if you're feeling down or help you motivate you it's nice to have that uh, that support system absolutely how do you manage conflict just kidding <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's a fair question we fought a lot like it it, it's we've had it out we've tried to start other brands before that it there was a lot of failed attempts for us to get here we tried to start another clothing brand where it's like 
screw you. I'm going my way. You're going this way. Like, but at the end of the day, we've always come back to the same common goal. So we, we keep a really good personal relationship separate from our business relationship, but we're talking and brainstorming all day, every day. And now we're not scared to say, look, I don't like that idea. Or I don't like that cut. Like, I think it's when you tell someone you don't like something it's hard at first, but when you're used to doing it in trial and error, and it's for the good of everything, it, it's easier to say you don't like something when you just want your product to look as good as possible. Oh, there's a difference between receiving something as a personal attack or as a constructive uh, piece of input. So yes, at some capacity, people will get their uh, maturity to that level and everything will be great. So yeah. that's always a difficult yeah. thing though, as well. Like when you are creating content, like there's a, a personal attachment to whatever the hell you're creating. And it's like, you're kind of mentioning there, like how he's running that side of it. And it's like, that's a big weight off your shoulders as well. Cause as you would know, being in this space as we are, when you have another job and you're doing this like as a passion project, but also like to, to build something as well, it's a massive amount of time. It's not like, hey, I'm going to go put in a couple hours once a week. Nah, man, it's the second job. And it's like, if 100%. you if you had to do all of those things, especially like, like Tom can attest to this, a lot of the video creation stuff, that takes fucking so much time. It It's a day killer. And it's like, if you had to do, say, the podcast, the video, the back end work, you're, you're done. You might as well quit your other job or find a way to make this one make money ASAP. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not only a, a time commitment, but it's also a financial commitment. You know, even, you know, you guys having professional mics and cameras and lights, like that was a whole world I had no clue about, even though I went, to, you know, I went to school to be in front of the camera, not behind it. But when I went camera shopping to find like a decent camera to shoot stuff, I'm like, oh my God, like <laughs> this is a, this is a paycheck a full paycheck just to get a camera and then you need a lens and then you need audio gear and lights. And if those lights don't work, you need new mics. And it's just always, it's, it's a big time investment and you're so right. It's a second job. So I could, it, there's a lot of growing pains and you're, you're always trying to grow and get better, but it's like, if that's the new nine, that if you get beaten up and you've been kicked down, that it's like, okay, I know that there's going to be some positive that comes out of this. Very nice. I like that because we have similar philosophies. And I think that's why we're going to vibe out in life. Cause it's like, yeah, the four putt four jack, but my philosophy is it's always that next hole after you four putt, right? Like you gotta pick yourself up, dust, move on, tweeter, keep grinding. Exactly. <laughs> tweeter hunting. Four putt Brandon, tweeter. Maybe you have a little uh advice for somebody that's just new to the space that is thinking about starting all these things. Maybe we you could streamline the process and and give a little insightful tip on, hey, maybe you should stay away from this or or yeah, go for it. Yeah, I think if I think look at people that you want to be like, like I, I think if someone saw my page and they know PGA memes, they know the desire, they know Colorado golf, these huge guys that there's a lot of similarities, but I, I try to do just a little bit something just to be different. And I'm still trying to find that space and to find your own uniqueness that in like, it's funny to look at my Instagram page, for example, the stuff that gets shared the most are my memes, that it has no attachment to me whatsoever. If you look at my analytics, here's everything with a meme. And then here's something with my face in it. And then here's a meme. And then here's something with my face in it. And it's just getting over that. So I think I'm still trying to learn my brand. I'm sure you guys are still trying to learn your brand at all. But if I was to talk to someone who's just getting into the game, it would be to set goals. So if you want to get a hundred followers, when you hit that hundred followers, you're out of goals. So what's the next goal? 250. Okay. Well, you're going to hit 250 if you just keep posting. So it's, it's to continually make goals and to be consistent. 
So one of the very first podcast guests that I had was John from Golf Heads. I'm sure you guys all follow Golf Heads on Instagram. If you don't follow Golf Heads, follow Golf Heads because they are posting the coolest like uh, Jordan golf stuff. It's kind of like cool. It's like street, street meets golf. And John is just a fan, but he can find this cool stuff. And he said to me, he said, you know, when I started golf heads six years ago, I just posted every single day. And there wasn't a day that went by that I didn't post and posting often is kind of got him to where it was that you're going to shoot a ton of blanks. You're going to think you made the funniest thing, or you have the coolest video and you watch it a hundred times in your bed before you post it, you post it and you get like 20 likes and it doesn't even hit any traction. So that is, you got to get over that blow to the gut and to just keep pumping stuff out. So I would say set goals and be consistent. Yeah, that is definitely something that I we can def that resonates with us for sure. Because in the early part of this, it was just me and Tom. And for the longest time it was, yeah, like two to three posts a day, every day. And the funny thing was like, we didn't have that much stuff, original content with us, but like it was a lot of stolen videos, stolen memes, but like, yeah, you get that one video that you steal and it goes huge. And you're like, oh, that's massive. Like, that's growing my following for today. But if I don't post tomorrow, it's not going to stay there. And it's just like, yeah, it's staying consistent. Now we have like a bit more of a routine that we can keep consistent with. And it's like, yeah, like people know. And you just keep on moving with that. And that's all it is. Like you're saying, consistently put it out. Don't ever deviate from that. Add more to it if you'd like. But don't miss that day that you normally have it there. And it's like the consistency is the key. And if you look at any, oh, sorry, Tom, sorry to cut you off. To add on to that, yeah, it's like the growth, to get in that growth algorithm, like it's a full-time job because now I think they're like, if you want to be in the growth cycle, you need to be posting three to five times a day and then it's like share it in your story, then go like all the people who have left comments and re-engage them and then go to the explore page and it's like, holy shit, this is exhausting. That's a full-time job right there. You got to employ someone to do that. So that's yeah. insane. That's why it is hundred percent. One of the things that I learned to kind of touch on someone that would start it out is that there seems to be a perception that you can cut corners and you can buy bots and you can pay a firm to like and do that type of stuff. It's like, no, you can't, you can't trick these algorithms. So save your money in trying to cut corners and just do it. You look at guys like, oh yeah, you look at guys like PJ memes or Zai or any of these big pages, like they've been around for years, right? Like we're kind of late to the game as far as like OG status of of the golf culture, but there's like a very rare exception within the 1% where one guy puts up a viral video and then he blows up. So I'm sure you guys just saw recently, I can't think of the guy's handle, but he's a, a I don't know if he's a Mexican um, golf coach. Oh, yes. That's it. Oh, Desit guy. Man, that's so funny. That video. Right. I love that so he text. had like, he had like 2000 followers, you know, two weeks ago or a week ago, and then one page shares it. And then it's just the snowball effect that now he's got like 200,000 followers. That does that does a player. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, he might be, but it's like, I remember following him when no one knew what he was. I was kind of planning on posting one of his videos. Zyre posted it, PJ means posted. It, and then this, then he blew up and yeah. then it's hard, it's hard not to look at yourself, be like, well, I think I make like cool videos, but maybe I don't have like a fake personality. It's like, what am I doing wrong? That why didn't I get picked up and blown up? It's like, you just can't, you can't think like that. You just got to keep doing your own stuff and just. And that, that's consistent. part of finding your voice though. And that's something, you know, I listened to Rogan say that for years. He's like, look, every, especially comedians, they all go and listen to another comedian and then they sound like that comedian. And then it's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I don't sound like that guy. It's like, yeah, you do. Cause you listen to him too much. And it's like, it is all a part of you you do something creative it's like yeah you got to find your own voice in order to do it and that's definitely something that 
you know, the boys and I have done here where it's like we've cultivated our own little way of speaking and directing a show and putting it together. And it's like, but it takes a long time. And there was a lot of like moments where we're like, the fuck are we even doing here? Like, do we have like the right method here? Like, where's the structure? Like, is there any? Are we just going to free ball this? And a lot of times we do and it works. But like, it is very interesting trying to find that voice. Giving away the secret sauce, bro. If you can find something from that, good on you. <laughs> I was nervous that we're bringing him into the to to fully expose ourselves. Today, yeah, this isn't right? a yeah. This is... the, the hot dogs are made. If Maury you throw it in a blender uh, and hope for the best. <laughs> I would you know where say... you want to be, and and if you know where you want to end up, then it's just you're navigating that trail hopefully taking you there if you have a mistake or two along the way the beauty of this is c pace has become a wizard of cutting pods so it's like you just chop that shit right out i i would say i would say one thing that's that's really cool that i've learned especially is that never be afraid to engage with people because instagram is a weird and wonderful place that you can basically make your dreams come true if you just if you're persistent i think annoyance is the key we've we've done very successful things and had some pretty crazy guests on we never dreamed of landing just by consistently being annoying as hell so i mean it is there for the taking you just gotta ask repetitively how do you think this happened no you're so right though like you never know like shoot your shot that's the biggest thing you guys are so right that if, if you think it's impossible it only is because you're telling yourself it is right that's right that exactly I'm, I'm, I'm no huge get for you guys, so it's more likely for me to open uh, the inbox than uh, maybe someone bigger. But you never know. Like It's crazy the people that you can talk to that, that do look at their Instagram messages. Any chat can be a good chat. That's all that really matters. Yeah, man. You know, honestly, I, I wouldn't devalue anything about who you are or what you are or you know the stature of your presence because it's insane the way we've sort of perceived people and it's maybe open doors. Maybe it's been an amazing chat. We've got amazing feedback on. We had a we had a podcast that's still trending to be our number one listen to that we all got off and were like, that was a nightmare. Like what just happened? But yet the listeners is like through the roof and we just it's hard to understand sometimes, but there's no real, you know, science to the madness. But uh yeah, keep going hard, right? I mean, keep shooting those shots. That's that's what pays off the dividends. I think in our case too, we're like we're part of that collective that's going to help like take golf from where its current state is today to like where it will be. And it's like, that's where you want to know. Like everybody knows the players in the game on like PGA tour media. So it's like, it's good for us all to like develop relationships so that at some point here we can have a new nine versus the four Jack podcast, some sort of golf battle. And like, turn that into something that hopefully fuels all of us. Something crazy may happen that day where, I'm standing in a lake in my underwear trying to hit a shot out of the mud and I slip and fall and go face first into it. And then I pick up my ball and take a drop and everyone's like, if you're going to do it the first time and that's going to happen, you better take another swipe at it. I don't know if you've yeah, seen that video. Actually, those, under, those underwear shots, are, uh, they resonate around. So it's good time. <laughs> two underwears that I have that are all flowery too. Oh, the two unders. There you go. Showtime. It's funny kind of what you mentioned there, Tom. And like, Brandon, you can definitely... I'm sure you'll agree with this, but like if you think about the game nowadays, like coming from a meme that I saw, it might fucking might have actually been one of yours, to be honest. I can't remember. I was just scrolling real hot after a nap. And it was like 
the the uh, the checklist for the millennial golfer was that years? Hat. No. Okay, but it's like pair of Jordans, music, like PX, PXGs, work from home, blah blah blah, all this shit, and it's like music on the buggies and fucking white claws in the fucking carts, and it's like. <laughs> Imagine this game, like, and I didn't really laugh from that. I was just kind of like, God, like, that's so accurate that it hurt. And a bucket hat. And it's like, yeah, like, that. that's so accurate that it hurts. And you're like, imagine this game in 15 years. Like, look at what we're doing here, chatting about it. Pretty much just guys who love the game that I'll show up in shorts and a t-shirt and act like a fool and play some really solid golf. But I'm definitely not the, you know, the model of a golfer 20 years ago what's it going to be like in 10 years 15 years from now when it will be an absolute party out on every track you know what I, you know what i think is going to happen with golf is you know look where boxing was 15 20 years ago and Just then the ufc came in the game and these guys took off the gloves they got smaller mitts they're a mix between boxing and mma and knees and the fans are rowdier and the crowds are bigger and there's bigger promotion that that's kind of the, that's how i anticipate the transition in golf being these kind of like uppity white collar button up to the top and kind of proper sport so now these guys that are coming and playing in flip-flops and bucket hats and, and just getting lit up on the course and smoking weed that there has to be a transition at the professional level i think i think you know i've seen the, another uh, meme or a golf thing where it's talking about like uh you know every lost ball you drop a club or you bogey and you shotgun beers like golf has to get more entertaining for these this generation that's grown up on you know um uh bar stool watching these guys and just dumb stupid shit that there has to be a correlation so i definitely see there being a, a change and a trend of where golf's headed uh yeah i mean it, it's coming and it's coming fast whether the traditionalists like it or not it's happening and it's gonna come through fucking fast like people that's are gonna have no now. idea yeah, yeah of course it is yeah. Of course. And like, that's why I think like this, even this COVID wave, we were kind of talking about this off air and we've mentioned this many times. It's like, yeah, I can't get a tea time. It sucks for the people that have been playing their whole lives. But it's like at the same time, just fucking wait and see what's going to happen with this. Like these people that just joined the game, they catch the bug and now they're like, I don't like this and this and this and this about it. I'm going to keep playing, but I'm going to continue doing what I want to do out here. And that's how the vibe is going to be. I'm just thinking of that movie Basketball for some reason. <laughs> it's so funny that you say that. I've been thinking about that for the last like three or four days. So the fact that you said basketball is hilarious to me. I love it. That movie cracked me up. I like I love the premise of that movie. Like Trey Trey Stone and wait, Trey Parker and yep. South, yeah, Park South Park Boys. Boys. South Park Boys. Yeah, yeah I always like, confuse them too. That movie was absolutely priceless. Just like no no holds barred shit right like that's essentially what golf like i would be interested in that for sure it's so funny that you say basketball because we've been going through now that it's golf season we can film on the golf course we're like okay let's come up with some ideas more than just like one-on-one -on -one match play and basketball came up that like a full jinx full heckle like yeah. no holds golf match like that that i think we're planning to do something like that can i swear on this podcast i've yeah. been doing it the whole time so funny story last year is golf and there's there's some some members at country hills that uh that i that i roll with that are just fucking hilarious they're these kind of pretty well off older dudes that just don't give a flying fuck right so 
they're one of the guys backs onto a hole on the golf course and they had like an early morning round. It's 11 o'clock and they're on this guy's balcony. They're done and they're just getting shit faced. So they're watching people putt on the green and they're heckling them. So there's this family, there's like a, a dad and then these two, his two kids and they're maybe like 25, 22, like they're old enough to handle kind of a joke. So they're getting around putting out. And then one guy screams, one guy goes, well, about to putt. He goes, miss, miss, miss. Like he just starts chirping him. The guy looks back at him, his putting and he gives him one of these. He goes, Shh. Oh. the guy gets up, he stands out of his chair. He goes, this is full heckle cunt face. Ah! <laughs> He's just killing himself laughing that. Oh man, I think I think just to see some some heckling golf stuff that you would never see, I think would be really funny to watch. Full heckle alt shot event. That's yeah. the one. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. That's it. Put I the pressure it. on you when you're somewhere that you weren't expecting to be, and now you're getting chirped from three other people. You know what's crazy about the alternate shot version of that is like you get to heckle in between the entire shot knowing that they don't get to hit the next shot so it's like you get to plant those seeds of doubt in their mind a lot longer you start like, heckling hey, you your own partner last shot. like it. good luck oh, i was gonna say we're uh we're nearing that magical golden hour here so uh maybe a couple more questions for brandon we'll let him off the we'll let him off the hook easy tonight are you wanting to rapid fire not so fire yeah i'm thinking uh let's do something fun with brandon tonight yeah <laughs> Let's do a little rapid fire 10. I mean, he's a bit of a golf nerd and a, and a golf gearhead, so I'm sure he's got some interesting uh, responses for us. So, Brandon, are you ready? Do you have a calculator by chance? Uh, I could pull it up. No, you don't need it. That's all good. Okay. okay. First guess that's been pretty quick to jump <laughs> yeah. on. Like, yeah, I Everyone think. else goes, what well, the hell like, are you, is it like hell are you golf scores? Like, if you shoot oh, a 38 on the front. Plus one, plus, plus three. Plus. <laughs> we're we're going to have you calculate our handicaps. <laughs> Yeah, are you familiar <laughs> with the RCGA handicap index system? <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, not quite a change this year. Uh, that's true. Yeah, point for the uh, point. My for handicap the... is my eyesight, right? Near there you go. Yeah. Player A, player B, that's the handicap. First question, rapid fire 10. What's in the bag right now? What are you swinging for wrenches? I've got seven 16 AP2s and SM7 Vokies. I got a TaylorMade M3 driver, Callaway. Epic Flash three wood and a Tyson Lamb putter. Tyson Lamb putter, huh? Did you catch all that? Yeah. What kind of shafts are you playing in your irons? Project X LZ six point fives. This is a set that I just can't stray away from. I I bought them new whenever they came out, and I've had different sets in betweens. I've gone like the Japanese custom route, but I, I keep coming back to these AP two. So that's that's what's in the bag. And then now with this exposure on new nine, I'm hoping that uh, I get some free shit. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor made golf. I hope you're listening. Uh, I gotta ask then. This is a this is still question number one of the rapid fire, not so rapid fire. Uh, are you a specific rap guy on your grips and what grips are you playing? Yeah, I am playing right now. I'm playing golf pride micro suede. Uh, I use two wraps on a standard. The reason why I like micro suede is that I sweat. Like I perspire okay. like crazy. I was going to say there's gotta be a sweaty guy here. Yeah. Yeah. So like I travel or in non COVID, I travel a lot down South. I'll try to get to Mexico once or twice in Phoenix. And every time I'm down there, my hands fly off the clubs. So I had the worst golfing experience on my honeymoon down in Mexico and it was my grips. I was using CP2s and they were just so slippery in my hands that when I found the micro suede, I'm like, okay, here's something that can hold up to my, uh, my sweaty palms. You might you be will. a Tommy two gloves kind of guy. Hyperhidrosis, nice. I believe is what it is. <laughs> if I remember Cody telling me that. The glandular issue. 
if you got a, we're still on question number one here, but if you got some time to go down the rabbit hole, go check out what Ian Poulter does to his irons. Okay. That'll absolutely blow your mind from a grip standpoint. Okay. Question number two, the rapid fire, not so rapid fire. What kind of ball do you play? I, that's a funny question. Mid season, like mid form golf. I'll play a TaylorMade TP five X up until like, you know, from when golf season starts to like the middle or end of May, I'll play the Kirkland three piece ball. Hell yeah. I, oh, gonna say, I feel like you're a Kirk daddy kind of guy. I'm just so cheap that I lose. I, my Dude. golf game disappears. It's so like I ball. end the year as a scratch golfer or plus golfer. And then I start the year as like a 11. Canada, and I just man. spray the ball so bad. It's yeah, if I golfed all year round, I'd be like a plus four. There you go. I like to tell myself, but no, like I, I just, I just, I hate losing expensive balls fresh out of the sleeve that y'all, I, I swear by these Kirkland balls are, they're, they're, they're a decent bang for your buck. There you go. Yeah. We all love them. What's the, uh, what does it look like when Brandon gets ready for a round at the golf course? Are you into the, uh, are you into the closet matchy matchy white belt visor? Got to have the shoes matching. Do you get dressed in the dark? What's your, what's your game plan for the outfit? That's a good question. I usually start with what shoes I'm going to be wearing. So it's only Jordans. So depending on the weather, like if it's like start of the golf season, kind of rainy slushy, I got a pair of uh, high top black Jordan ones. So then I kind of build down knowing that I'm going to be wearing black shoes. If it's a nice summer day and it can be kind of like an airy shoe, I'll probably wear like the Jordan trainers. I got a, like a white pair, a gray pair, red and black pair. Those are the three. So then again, I'm building it off of that. So it's kind of start with the shoes, then find a shirt. And then is it a short day, pant day? Like it's, it's embarrassing to say that it's, uh, you know, if you got to take a picture, you got to take a video, like you want to try to look half decent, right? Where's Brandon? He's still doing his hair. We're trying to go play golf. Yeah. That's good though. I like that. You got to look good to feel good to play good, man. That's a, that's the triple three. Uh, question number five. Not so. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like I look almost homeless at times out there. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm like, can I get? How fast can I get dressed? And how fast can I get out the door? Just grab oh. and go, baby. See, I mean, I got. I got to side with our man Brandon. You got to look good to play. He used good, to be so. like that. Now I'm like, oh, give yeah. me a t-shirt. I'm just like, what outfit can I wear today that I could wear anywhere I wanted to go? <laughs> yes, that's the one. There you yeah. go. Question number five: What is the range warm up? look like now that you've spent the time with golf tech and you're out there you're trying to score are you pretty methodical or you just bang driver go to the go to the first tee no if i'm playing like a semi-serious round like if i'm not rushing it to the tee box you know it's funny if i play with my wife chances are there's 10 minutes between us getting to the golf course and the first tee shot so that's a quick two shots two wedges two you know seven irons a driver and i probably don't putt at all in that 10 minute span if i'm going to play like a competitive round or if i'm by myself or like going to go play with some buddies i like to warm up for about an hour i always start with the 58 and just kind of work around with some field shots do some kind of like 60 70 yards i shoot at a bunch of, of targets we got like big long sticks on our driving range work my way up through the bag usually every other day i'll do like so i'll do like 58 then 59 iron and then the next day i'll do the opposite where i'll go 56 pitching wedge eight iron six iron but i always end with um my driving iron and uh my driver that's kind of consistent because I hit those mostly off of every tee. But yeah, if, if I hit, hit a couple good drivers, I'll just stop. If my first two drivers are exactly where I want them, I'll throw it back in the bag and all ready to go putting. If I'm spraying it a bit, I'll try to find that one move that I'm like, oh, okay, that I'll remember that on the course. 
Yeah. Don't, and then, don't and fix then it if it ain't broke. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll head to the putting green. If I got time, I'll go putt and chip and just try to get uh, a feel for some re realistic putts that, uh, that we're looking at. Nice. Like that. That's PGA tour status right there. That's why you're a uh, plus two handicap. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, nice. We're out with the, we're out with the wife playing golf and we're heading to the turn. What is our, what is our fuel up stop look like with the wife? But then we want to know if we're out with the boys, what does it look like? So give us your well, go-to snack at the turn for the fuel up. I hope it's the same. I was just going to say it's the exact same. My my wife is my wife is a fucking party. My wife is the one with two birdie juice flasks in her bag, and she's got little Listerine cups ready for any of the boys or including herself to have a birdie. She is nice. like the party and a half. Um, so at the turn, that's a good question. At the turn, it's a mix. I'm trying to get off the beer train. The beer is kind of upsetting the gut and putting on some extra LBs that uh, if there's like a vodka soda in a can, a gin soda in a can, uh, chances are... soda in a can? I love tequila, don't love tequila soda. For whatever oh, reason, it's just... It's, I... I love margaritas. Like We got margaritas in a can. We'll, we'll mix that in. But yeah, so it's fun. like usually usually a couple uh, couple vodka sodas at the turn, maybe a light snack, you know, keep her, keep her flowing. But with yeah. the boys, like it, it's kind of the same thing that like a lot of the guys that I play with don't usually don't drink before the round. It's usually on the course. So we'll load up two beers or two whatever on the course, have a couple of those, some birdie juice, hopefully. And then at the turn, we'll, we'll load up again. But yeah, it's funny that yeah, playing with the wife is I'm probably going to have more drinks when I'm playing with the wife than I, and then I'm playing with the boy. She's uh, she's the, she's the best. She's the like I have one challenge here then, I guess, knowing that you, you like tequila, but you don't like tequila sodas. I'd like to challenge you to review a headshot tequila soda and see your take at least your take on it right like you if go. you're like hey we'll get some to we'll get some to you but i think it like might it. change your mind a little bit because they're really like it. okay next question right. parks a lot. question number seven this is the uh actually this is question number six this is the cliche question we have to ask all the guests give us your dream foursome you're the you're the fifth so you're a five ball dead or alive fictional fictional non-fictional ex-girlfriends ex-wives well, fuck if mj <laughs> is whatever you got if mj isn't in this i'll be real disappointed yeah you know like man tiger woods would be number one like tiger is the reason i think a lot of us love golf so if, if tiger wasn't in it it wouldn't be a, a real round without tiger so be tiger woods my dad for sure my dad's kind of always been my biggest supporter so if i could treat him to a round with tiger woods and anyone else i think that would be the best father's day birthday present for the rest of your life so i'd say tiger woods my dad i'd love to play with like uh rory mcelroy i think rory would be fun to play with maybe like uh Man, I've never been asked this question. That's so funny. Maybe like John Daly. Jordan doesn't make I've the list. John... No kidding. No MJ on that list. Wow. And Daly. Daly's a good one. I like that. That's the first time we've heard that. So can't go wrong with that. Yeah, like I'd, I'd have to, if I had more time to think about it, I'm sure I'd do like a process of an elimination. Maybe do like a bracket of who would make my my final yeah. my final five. But yeah, I'd say my dad, Rory, Tiger, and uh, Daly. There'd Love be, it. There'd That's be some a good, good group in there. Question question number seven. Hole in one. Please tell us you have zero like the rest of us. I got one. Ah, one hole in one. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I had it on a boys' trip. Yeah, we were oh. uh, golfing in, in Phoenix at the uh in Carefree at the Boulders. Ooh. Oh, nice. Course. Was that expensive? And it was right on their signature hole. Oh it, dude. You know, it, like it, it wasn't, it wasn't. Right now. 
What's that? Say it again, sorry. I think it's about one seventy nine to two hundred ish right now. Like maybe going no, no, down no, no. a bit right now. Was, was that into the, was the that expensive life. afterwards? That's what I thought you were asking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literal Tom over here. Yeah. Right? Oh, I was thinking like the boys trip hole in one, like, uh oh, there goes the visa. Yeah. Yeah. So we were we were playing a skins game and we've always uh, we were like not very expensive, like five bucks a skin. We play like birdie bonus, KP. Like if, if you lose 150 bucks, like that was a rough day kind of thing, right? We've always said if you get a hole in one and it's a hundred bucks a guy, that you get three hundred bucks for your hole in one. So that was the only skin I won all day was that hole in one hole. So I, I think I was up a little bit. We went back into the uh, the pro shop and I treated around. I didn't have to buy for the pro shop. There was like nobody there. It was like literally just my table was the only table that came in. So we drank. We went to the uh, Phoenix Suns game that night uh, downtown. And then we went to uh, to SNC, if you guys know SNC, uh, Skin Nightclub in, uh, in Phoenix. Sounds, uh, sounds, uh, like, sounds like Jesus wasn't there to guide your, guide <laughs> no. your way. <laughs> Jesus wasn't, but Freddie Couples was. Freddie Couples was there, so that was kind of yeah. like that funny. That's that's basically thing. that's basically Jesus. Freddie was in the yeah. circle. Golf yes. Jesus, yeah. Both do, both don't wear socks. Did you, you guys <laughs> yeah. please tell me you had enough liquid courage to get over there? And you know not what? Give, it, not give him a lap dance, but at least uh, hang out. You know what? Him. We we had too much liquid courage that he uh, was like so annoyed of these loser Canadians. They're like Freddie. <laughs> Oh no! He's like, he was, he was, he was, he was double arming uh, some some nice some nice ladies, and it nice was uh, it was kind of the cherry on top. But uh, that's, that's kind of where the blackout uh, begins and ends right there. Showtime! Love that. All right, question number nine. Before I send it over to the man pays for the final question of the evening, give us your favorite golf course. Can't use the hole in one. Give us your favorite golf course. One in Canada, maybe one internationally, globally, North America that you played that you really enjoyed. Love it. So I did a video recently where I counted down my top five. So I'll give you my top international, my top Canadian pick. So my top Canadian pick, man, it's so close. It's like a 59, 40, like 51, 49% between the two. So if I had to go favorite golf course in Canada, it would be Grey Wolf in Panorama in BC. I think... I have a bit more, I think, emotional connection to it. Uh, it was like the nicest course my parents ever took me to growing up where we'd play dog tracks all summer. Then we go to Panorama for the weekend, play it twice. And it was like, that was the highlight of the summer. So I think to play like really cool mountain course experience, elevation change, and it's a pretty good layout for a track. I think anyway, I talked to a lot of guys that don't like it, but I, I, I really enjoy playing there. I've never had a bad experience there. The honorable mention would be Tobiano. Oh, in Kamloops. massive points you just scored my friend massive yeah like i'm a huge 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 tobiano fan i went there once for a boys trip there's a tournament that i play in every year and they travel every year and we went to tobiano so it was more of like a semi-competitive round that i didn't really get to take in the whole experience so i'm dying to go back there but tobiano would be the honorable mention that's where the battle's going down then brandon you already picked the spot let's love do it. it love it right, cool and international. The, I keep interrupting you. No, no worries at all. No worries at all. International, I've been so blessed and so lucky to have traveled internationally that I hate winter so much. So to just go golf anywhere in like January, February, like I could play the worst course in somewhere warm and it would be fantastic. The best international course I've played is in the Dominican Republic. It's called La Canna. Um, the web.com or corn ferry played there a handful of times. Now it's a PGA tour circuit that they play out there. And it's, uh, it was amazing, man. Like to, if you were to just think of like, um, is it in you know, Canada? 
It is in Punta Cana, yeah. So there's oh, a lot no of great, okay. yeah, a lot of great yeah. courses around there. It's yeah. probably the most affordable of all of them. Like I think it was like a we got it on like tee off for like a hundred bucks US, which is like normal tee time is like two fifty nine US. Yeah, there's nicer courses that I want to visit out there, but that's like 500 bucks US for the round. So like that's to me just wasn't uh, attainable at all. No. Yeah. It's called Lacana. This it's on like a very private, you know, uh, Punta Cana is quite perverse, right? But you get into this gate gated community of Lacana and these houses start at like 25 million yeah. US. Like it's just, Wally world money that you didn't know existed lives on this golf course, right? It's, it was one of the first courses that had a irrigation system that used the salt water. So they're able to pull all of their irrigation right from the ocean. There's like five or six ocean holes and it's literally like the tea box. And then you can dip your toes into oh, the wow. bluest ocean that you had ever seen. So like experience with a caddy bar none, it was fantastic. How do they town. use the irrigation from the sea? Like it's gotta be desalinated then. Yep. Yeah, I, I, th- would, I would imagine they have like a filter of some sort. I don't know the specifics behind it, but I remember our caddy telling us that, yeah, they just pull water right from the ocean. Wow, that's Crazy. impressive. All right, Pace, last question of the night. It's on you, buddy. Okay, man. Um, let's stick with it. Commissioner of golf for a day for public and the professional game. What are you changing? What is the number one thing that you need to change, that you'd like to change in the game? I'd love to. Ch- oh, I only have to pick one. Like I can't go you down can do the, uh, the rabbit hole of give everything. Give us a couple. Give us a couple. Sure. We're all so the first, the first thing I would change is dress code. Yeah. I think I think like to just like why do you need to wear a collar and why are golf shirts that aren't collared but they have a button that go to acceptable as golf like it just that doesn't make sense to me. I can I can see there being some restrictions in like. Not, I was gonna say like cut off jeans or like holes, but like who who cares? Like literally, who who cares? If your private parts aren't showing, like it's fine. Like I don't I don't get I get kind of jealous at girls like Paige Renee or these like Instagram girl golf girls that can go play in like That's, the tightest. I know pants it's brutal, with, isn't it? It's like come with on boobs hanging out. Like I feel I want to try to create the guy equivalent, but I'm not just gonna like pull my balls out on the course. Like I'll be honest, I've been wearing my Lulus to the course lately, and I don't give a fuck. I'm like fuck you, man. I'm going trackies out here. But yeah, it's not so I, it's I think, not right. And there's so many of these girls. I was gonna I gotta jump in here and say this because there's a girl that promotes some stuff for blue tees, and literally her golf swing's horrible. You know she doesn't golf, she's got massive cans, and she's always front and center in all these ads. And I'm like, this is not even relative. Like, this is so sex is trying to sell a product, and she it's not even relative to golf. If she walked into a golf course looking like that, it's like, man, it's frustrating. Yeah. I joke yeah. to my wife all the time. I said, I wish I was a hot girl. I was like, yeah. I feel like I'd be eight if I was a hot girl. That's probably the, yeah. se- I don't mean to sound like super sexist, but it's just the marketing in, in the golf industry of the way that it is and girls that blow up like that. Like, don't get me wrong. Paige Renee is a fantastic golfer, you know, but for her move. to be at like very exclusive golf courses with like, you you know, it's it. But why does, every, their product, own, but- why does every product shot have to be here? <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, how about, how about here? Right? Not doesn't have to be. I don't know. Anyway, that drives me yeah. mental. No, I got because nothing against people. Spend just a bit don't get me wrong. Staring at us, so her reach on those ones probably yeah. goes just through the roof because everyone just takes a quick pause and it like counts it as like an engagement versus like the dog. Right? Well, you exactly. know what? Like power to her. I think yeah. good on her for capitalizing on that. And I think she speaks to it. So she's created yeah. kind of this brand. I think I'm just super jealous that she's got like 2 million followers and it's smoking hot and we're all grinding, trying to follow our analytic data and post all this stuff. So not to hate on page. So to answer your question, Chris, I would say, yeah, uh, I think it'd be cool for all golf courses to allow you to wear a shirt and tank top or 
board shorts or no shoes if you want. I think it would just be more inclusive if there wasn't a dress code. Um, if I was to change a rule, the, the one rule that pisses me off the most that I just think is the most unfair rule in golf is, is having to hit out of divots. I think if, if you if you haven't experienced that, which I hope you have, because it's just like the biggest kick to the knees. But I think I think in golf you're supposed to be penalized in penalizing areas. So if you hit it into the rough, you hit it into the water. Yes, 100%. You should be penalized. You find the middle of the fairway and you land in a divot, and a shot out of a divot is harder than hitting out of the rough. I just don't think you should be penalized for hitting it in the right spot. Mm-hmm. So that I would that I would change. In uh, you know in the PGA golf. Tour is going to change that eventually. Like they're changing every other goddamn rule. So. It's coming, I'm sure. Yeah, it started with like the spike marks in front of the hole. Then now you can pat that down. Like that was the dumbest thing too. It's like you're playing through an obstacle course on the putting green now that I, I hope that they change. Yeah, they, they change the divot rule. Yeah. Amen. That's perfect. I like that. I think that's a beautiful way to cap that. Let's change all the rules, man. Fuck it. New nine. <laughs> New nine, baby. <laughs> hey. New game. That's New it. game. That's it. Love it, man. It's been lots of fun tonight. Absolutely. It's been a blast. Hey, you guys are beauty. So I like the I like the idea of plotting a match out at uh, Tobiano. Let's let's make this thing happen, and uh, oh, hopefully yeah. the 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 COVID tones down a little bit, and we can uh, we can play around on the golf course. Oh yeah, August September, we're gonna make something happen, hundred percent. Stars Check. align, and Shannon will let us out. Keep your eyes on your <laughs> inbox. We'll definitely engage on something. We got uh, our boys from Hetcho are based in Calgary, and they're pretty jazzed to do something too. So we'll get a lot of these. Uh, a lot of these players and needle movers involved and yeah we'll do something fun for sure it could be a big massive content shit show too so love that like it like it brandon thanks mike uh, thanks again my friend i appreciate getting to know you here and learning a little bit more about new nine yeah thanks for having me on it's it's been a pleasure getting to know you guys definitely thanks for jumping on buddy and we cannot wait to jump onto your pod as well and just kind of spread the love looking forward I gotta to see it. your arms i gotta see your arms before we get off <laughs> Tat it up. No, 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 not like that. I want I want to see the tats. It's all just on one arm. So it's kind ah, of still okay. a work in progress. But yeah, this doesn't really scream golfer, but it's uh it's yeah, it's a work in progress. Goes all the way to the to the chest. I don't Excellent, know. Track social clubs had a bunch of cool content in the old tattoo shop that like I think there is definitely a market of golfers that are tatted up and like Yeah, look at Calcutta yeah. Golf, man. Exactly. He, he's 100%. totally top to top to bottom, so Anyway, cool. I just caught a piece in one of your, one of your pieces, so I had to, I had to ask for the full disclosure. Yeah. No, go. fair enough. Awesome. Tons of fun, brother. All the best. Thanks, Take boys. care. Keep working on that game, and we'll, uh, we'll get you out of Tobiano here down the road. Appreciate it. Thanks, boys. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll chat with you guys next week. Bye.